Quiet, please. Quiet, by Willis Cooper, and which features Ernest Chappell. Quiet, Please, for tonight is called Not Responsible After 30 Years. I suppose I'm glad to be out again. It's close to Midsummer's Eve again. I've got a date for that night. I've been thinking about the date all the time I've been in Dartmoor. Planning how to get back to the circle and everything. And those three years have gone pretty slowly. Pretty slowly. Listen, the British prison's not like the ones at home. They don't fool around here. Well, they're fair, all right, I suppose, but British prison food isn't exactly what I'd order. And those gray uniforms stamped with a broad arrow are pretty depressing. In for? Why, I was in for stealing. Stealing a wristwatch, to be exact. Three years ago, just about this time of the year. Stealing a wristwatch. Off a skeleton's arm. Well, sure, I don't mind telling you. I was in the OWI this last war. I'd been in the other war first in the British Army. Oh, I'm an American. I just got kind of carried away in 1914. And when this one came along, I put in for OWI and made it. They sent me to England. I'd always wanted to come back to England all those 30 years since I first came here and enlisted in the Coileys. The King's Own Yorkshire Light Infantry, K-O-Y-L-I, Coily. But... You know how it is. You're in the advertising business. You've got accounts to look after. You go fishing in the summer with a client and all that. So the OWI was what you might call a heaven-sent opportunity. Well, anyway, forget the war if you can. I want to tell you about Midsummer's Day, 1945. This end of the war was over, you see. And so I put in for some leave, as I've been planning to do for the four years I've been in Britain. I got it easily enough. And I set out for the circle. The circle? I'll tell you about that in a minute. You wanted to know why I got put in jail. Okay. So when I got to the circle, it was a, it was a morning of Midsummer's Day, the 24th day of June in England, a quarter day the morning after Midsummer Eve. Well, I hardly recognized the place well as I knew it. At first I thought they were digging some kind of fortification or something. And then I remembered that the war was over and 
why should they be digging air raid shelters or whatever it was now? And when I went closer, I discovered what was going on. That's an old Roman camp or something, sir. They found some old Roman soldiers down there. My heart turned over. Old Roman soldiers. A Roman camp. I remember the ninth Spanish legion of Diperius Claudius. The ninth snails, the other Romans called them. And I remember the motto on the eagle standards of the ninth, the bronze ribbon below the SPQR of the regular army. The words the ninth cherished and fought for. Slow but sure. The ninth that helped defeat Caractacus, king of the Britons, 19 short years after Christ was crucified. And it stayed in Britain almost 400 years afterward, until the very language of Rome disappeared, disappeared among them except for the commands of the centurions at parade. I remembered so many things. And I drew nearer to the excavation where a couple of navvies were handing up a long canvas-wrapped thing from the muddy clay. And I wasn't surprised at all when the man who seemed to be in charge unwrapped the canvas to reveal a skeleton of a man, his short bronze sword at his side. And on his left arm, dangling loosely from the muddy white ulna, an Elgin wristwatch of the vintage of 1915. Yes, of course the archaeologist was thunderstruck. No, nobody had lost a watch in the pit. No, it couldn't be anything but the skeleton's own watch. Well, they couldn't slip it off the bones of the hand. The metal band was too small, and it had corroded so that it couldn't be unstrapped. Nobody thought to ask the American in the OWI uniform if he knew anything about it. I could have told him a lot about it. I could have told him what they'd discover if they cleaned the watch and wound it up. I could have told him who the dead man was. And I could have told him that it wasn't his watch. After all, it was mine. So, I stole it. Of course, they caught me, and that was three years ago. Today, they let me out of Dartmoor with a little time off for good behavior. And tonight, I'm going to find that watch, and I'm going to steal it again. Then, I'm going to clean it very, very carefully. And I'm coming back to the circle. And when the watch is wound and running, I hope it will run... It's been underground there for 30 years. Or is it... Well, the Roman legions left Britain in the year 411 A.D. That's more than 1,500 years ago. Lance Corporal Edward Mullen was my friend. I was the only American in the battalion, and the hard-headed Yorkshire Dalesmen don't take up easily with foreigners. But Mullen, who had been my drill master, took rather a liking to me somehow. Then, between the chores of slow pipe and farm fours, two deep quick march, we found quite a good deal in the way of common interests, particularly 
English history. We could see the towers of York Minster from our drill ground, and... But I wish you could meet Edward Mullen. Aye, lad. The old wall that Severus built in the year 208 ran straight across yon field over there. Aye. York's always been a garrison town. There was Severus and then uh, Constantius about 100 years later. And uh, Constantius, he died by yonder clump of trees, they say. I suppose they dig up a lot of Roman relics and stuff, huh? Around here? Oh, aye. Old pieces of armor, coins, and that sort of thing. And occasionally part of a skeleton. <laughs> this was a lively place in the old days, Yank. Yeah. I wish I had a chance to see more of it. Well, perhaps we could wangle a day off and have a deco of things. Wish we could. <laughs> well, uh, Sergeant Major's an old pal of mine. See what I can do, eh? Oh, boy. Like it, eh? Not us. Uh, don't come that cockney stuff on me, lad. You know, I think bloody coal steamers. Uh, where could we go, for instance, Corporal? You you know some places where we could find some stuff? Uh, you know, uh, a coin or something? <laughs> I do and all. I know a score of places. Hey, ever hear of druids? Druids? Sure. They used to go around in white robes with mistletoe in their hair and play harps. And do magic tricks. I uh, wouldn't be quite so flip about druids, Greg. Huh? You know, there's people about that take druids somewhat serious. In this day and age? Aye. Oh. What'd you ask about them? Well, uh, uh, I know where there's a druid circle. Where they used to meet? Aye. Where maybe they still meet. <laughs> oh, now, come on. You know what tomorrow night is, Greg? Uh, 23rd of June. Uh-huh. Have you got guts, Yank? Well, I suppose so. Guts enough to go to a druid circle on Midsummer's Eve? Huh? Well, why not, for Pete's sake? Well, uh, you'll not get frightened and run away and leave me. Well, of course I won't. Why should I? Well, it just might be, lad, that... Well, you might see something you might not be expecting, like. What? Well, I don't know. But I know a man. I knew a man from other fields over in the West Riding. He made a wager he'd stay all night alone in Druid Circle on Midsummer's Eve. And did he? They found him there in the morning. Well, what did he see? He couldn't tell. I could only just slobber like a baby. It was raving mad. <laughs> I don't believe it. Nobby Clark, his name was. From Huddersfield. Hmm. Well. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You have never seen a druid circle by moonlight. I want you to picture tall, wide-spreading oak trees, hundreds of years old. I want you to see a circle of great stones, twice as tall as a man, casting long black shadows across the grass. I want you to hear the little night wind rustling the leaves of the ancient oaks, sounding like the far-off, 
whispered conversation of a great conclave of beings from another world. See the moon, dead pale in the sky above, and feel the oneness of all nature in the whispering silences. And know that you are very close to an infinite something. Sense that you, who came to watch in the Druid Circle on Midsummer Eve, are being watched. And there is nothing to see. Nothing but the grim old monoliths standing in a silent circle and their lengthening shadows reaching out to the two soldiers crouched under the low-hanging branches of the oaks. There is nothing to hear. Nothing but the rustle of the leaves and the quickened breathing of the man beside you in the dark. I looked at my watch. It lacked less than a minute of midnight. And as the hand slowly crept to the hour, a veil seemed to come over the moon, though the sky was cloudless. And there was the sound of a deep-toned bell clanging thunderously once and echoing across the empty glade. And suddenly the glade wasn't empty anymore. In the center of the circle stood an ancient man, a tall, straight man, robed in gleaming white with a wreath of mistletoe about his head and a long, silver-white beard that descended to his bosom. And I heard Edward Mullen's sharp intake of breath and his whisper in my ear. The druid. And the majestic old man turned, and I could see his eyes gleaming in the moonlight as he gazed straight at us. And then he raised his staff and twined with oak leaves and brandished it, and from somewhere behind us I heard the tread of marching men. It was a long time, it seemed to me, before I realized that these were not men in British Army ammunition boots, armed with Lee Enfields and Bayonet Short Mark III. It wasn't until they marched out into the moonlight in the circle that I recognized them in their tight leather helmets and kilted battle dress, with their lances aloft and their short drawn swords clanking at their hips, that I recognized them as a cohort of the legions of Rome of 1,500 years ago. not much memory of what happened after that for a while. I remember how the glade seemed to have changed, how the sagging monolith seemed to have straightened up, how there seemed to be more trees there than there had been at first. The shapes of the hills seemed altered somehow. And there was a high wall stretching across the field beyond us, a wall shoulder high built of heavy stones and with guard platforms at regular intervals. I was looking at Severus Wall, built by the Romans in the year 208, and as I was to learn very shortly, now only a scant two centuries old. I heard Edward Mullen speaking to one of the legionaries. We're British soldiers, friend. We may know him. And I heard the legionary reply to him, and the tongue he spoke was, English of a fashion? Ah, uh, we be British soldiers, two men of the ninth. Why, you're a Roman. Aye, so. Uh, civis Romanus 
Tum. <laughs> I have not the Latin seat. Though I'm a Roman citizen. You British? Aye, so we all are. All English born, but Romans. There have been no true born Roman in the ninth since days of Constantius more than a hundred years ago. What? Uh, what year is this? Why, 1163. Ah, this can't. There were no Romans in Britain in 1163. Why, uh, why, why, Henry II was king of England then. What is this? Uh, wait. Anno Domini? Anno Orbis Conditae. And the army we use the old style from the founding of Rome. Well, aren't you Christians then? Oh, we're Christians, many of us. Greg, uh, let me see. Uh, Rome was founded in 753 B.C. 753 from 1163, uh, 410. This is A.D. 410. Uh, I... Uh, look, soldier, the, the legions go back to Rome next year, don't they? How know you that? I, I just know it. Hey, it's, it's true. It would be a sad day of parting for most of us. For we have never known any other land save this where we were born. Yes, I remember reading about that. What? Look, man. Huh? What, uh, what about us? What? Why, man? Come and have supper with us, comrade. There's always room at the mess for a British soldier. And there'll be wine issue later. And our wives and our families are coming to join us. This is Midsummer's Eve, my friend. I could tell you about that Midsummer's Eve. I could tell you about the songs. And the stories our new comrades told us about fighting the outlaws who swarmed down from the north to shatter themselves against the stones of the Wall of Severus. And I could tell you of the women... The wives and daughters of the legionaries. The ones who danced. The ones who poured the heavy, sour red wine and drank with us out of sweaty leather helmets. I could tell you of Lance Corporal Edward Mullen brimming with that wine, drilling a squad of Roman soldiers, teaching them the manual of arms with their lances, even to the aloe of the right foot against the heel of the left when they came to present. And me... I was applauded loudly when I stood forth and declaimed, Arma Verumque Cano, and followed right through in my best Lakeview High School elegance until I fell flat on my face at the sixth line. And flat on my face I was when the sun came up on Midsummer's Day in the year of our Lord, 410. Flat on my face with 60 Roman legionaries, none of whom had a worse hangover than the one I sported. That was when I discovered a strange thing. My watch was running backward. Perhaps that was an effect, not a cause. Perhaps the druid had laid a spell on it that made it, in time, run backwards. Perhaps the going backward in time had affected the watch. I don't know even today. But I have an idea. And tonight, I'm going to find out. The legionaries accepted us. We accepted them, as soldiers are quite apt to do. 
in time of war, everything is wrong. We were there. We saw no way of returning, so we refused to bother our heads about it. Well, perhaps we were influenced by Elaine. Elaine, the daughter of our friend, the legionary who had first greeted us. His name was Spurius Decius Athelstan Horgrake. Elaine and I fell in love with her. And Edward Mullen fell in love with her. I remember how we talked one early fall day beside the wall. Elaine and I. I do hate to go. Well, your father will probably be discharged as soon as he gets back to Rome. And you'll just have to come back here. I'd like the trip. Well, I'd take you to Rome, Elaine. Would you, Greg? And not in a troop ship, either. I'd like that. Elaine. Hmm? What if I asked your father? Well... May I? No, Greg, don't. Well, why not? Well... Don't you love me? I love you, Elaine. I like you, Greg. I, I try to make you very happy. Greg. Well? No. When you come back then, Elaine? When I come back, when I come back, Greg, Mullen and I are going to be married. And I talked to Edward Mullen, my friend. And he talked to me. I don't know what to say, Greg. I know you love her. Yes. But, Edward, I, I can't stay here then. Why? Well, I can't stay here and see you and Elaine. I, I just can't do it. It's not... I can't do it. You'll have to stay, Greg. No. Why? Elaine likes you. Uh, look, old boy. We're friends, aren't we? Of course we're friends. But don't Let's you... always be friends. Uh, where could you go? Maybe I could go back, Edward. How? I'm going to find a druid. You don't know where he is. I'm going to the circle. Greg, I don't be a fool. No. Well, what if you can't find him? Well, the Legion will be gone soon. Uh, I'll go over the other side if I can't get back where I belong. You won't do that. Listen, Edward, I can do as I please. Greg, Can't you see that I, I don't ever want to see you again? Can't you understand that you're taking from me the one thing? It was a fair contest, Greg. Fair contest or no fair contest? Do you think I'm going to stay here in this godforsaken place and see you in the lane every day? And... Well, don't you understand? I'm sorry, Greg. I've got to leave. I know. I hope you'll forgive me someday, old friend. I'll never forget you. I wish I hadn't said that to Edward Mullen. Because I know now I didn't mean it. I knew I didn't mean it a few short hours after I'd said it. I went to the circle that night. At midnight. I stood and looked around me. 
I could just make out the distant light from the sentry's godfire alongside the wall. I looked up at the moon and at the shadows of the stones on the greensward. And I listened to the rustling of the leaves of the ancient oaks. And I spoke aloud. Druid, I said. Druid, I need you. Druid, come to me. And I looked down at my wristwatch. And the minute hand slowly moved backward until it touched the figure of 12. It was midnight. And again I heard the solemn tone of the great bell. And from the shadows, the old druid walked slowly toward me. I raised my hand. Druid! I said. Druid! Let me go back. Druid, I must go back. go back. I felt his hand on my arm. And he unfastened my watch and held it up. And from the shadow under the great oak, Edward Mullen and Elaine came toward me. Silently, he fastened the watch on Edward's wrist. And Edward raised his other hand in solemn, final salute. And as the druid lifted his staff and the veil seemed to slip over the moon, there was a sudden scream from Elaine. And dimly I saw a crowd of shaggy, howling men pull over the wall and race toward my two friends. And brazen trumpets sounded in the darkness as I screamed, No! No, let me come back! The wild, savage men of the North had chosen that moment for their attack. And I had deserted my friend and the woman I loved in the hour of their direst need.
title of tonight's Quiet Please story was Not Responsible After 30 Years. It was written and directed by Willis Cooper, and the man who spoke to you was Ernest Chappell. And J. Pat O'Malley played Edward Mullen. The legionary was Court Benson, and his daughter Elaine was Nancy Sardin. As usual, music for Quiet Please is played by Albert Berman. Now for a word about next week, my good friend Willis Cooper. The people you heard tonight are not intended to be anyone you know or even anyone you don't know. They're a product of my typewriter and as fictitious as all get out. And next week's Quiet Please story will be entitled, Let the Lilies Consider. It's about a man who loves flowers and vice versa. And so, until next week at the same time, I am quietly yours, Ernest Chappell. Tonight's Quiet Please show was especially written for your enjoyment, with the hope we would please many people with many different tastes for many different reasons. You like Quiet Please for one reason and you for another. And that's just as it should be. For we in America aren't stamped with a mold. We have our differences, differences in taste, and talents, in hopes and ambitions, in color and creed. Our American differences have resulted in a variety of contributions which have made our country great and kept us free. Today, as America seeks to establish peace in the world and to continue prosperity at home, our differences must not divide us or hamper our efforts. On this flag day of 1948, let each of us pledge to wipe group prejudice out of our lives by meeting every American as an individual. This program was heard in Canada through the facilities of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System.